Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. The Gospel of Mark. We're going to be doing this series uh, throughout the summer. We're in the series the end of August. So if you're out of town on vacation or whatever, uh, you, you know where we're going to be. Uh, we're going to start in the first chapter. We're going to go on through. Uh, probably the 10th chapter will probably be as far as we'll be able to get in it in that particular period of time. I won't do a verse-by-verse exegetical study uh, because it won't, it'll last longer than that if I did that. But we'll go through uh, each, each book, each chapter of Mark. And I, w- I would encourage you to read Mark. If not doing your devotions or just doing a time where you can meditate on the Word, just read the Gospel of Mark. I think it'll, it'll add to you because God will give you things that, uh, that, that can help you in your life. Today... We'll start with the introduction of Mark, and we'll go on from there. First of all, Mark uh, was, I guess uh, we can say, he was a protege or he was a friend of, of uh, Peter, the apostle Peter. And some people say that he, was, uh, he, he really converted him or discipled him, I, I don't know, uh, but they were, they were friends. And... Um, Mark also, his mother was a godly woman. She was a wealthy woman, uh, high position in Jerusalem. And Mark had a cousin named Barnabas. Barnabas, of course, uh, and Paul took Mark on the first missionary journey that they had. And Mark didn't last the whole time. He left them. And on the second journey, uh, Paul refused to take him. And uh, Barnabas was not too happy about that, so Barnabas took Mark with him to Cyprus. Uh, later on, uh, he, I guess, uh, turned out to be pretty good because Paul sent for him about 12 years later. Paul sent for him, and um, when Paul was about to uh, die, to be uh, executed, he sent for Mark also. So it tells us a little bit about Mark in that Mark was a person who maybe didn't stand up to everything that he should have at one time, but in the end, he did. And it gives us uh, encouragement because, uh, I don't know about you, but I have sometimes failed, a lot of times failed, in things that I set out to do. Uh, but thank God that he gave me other chances and I improved. And I think that everybody can get encouragement out of that because here's a person who penned uh, a lot through the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the Gospel of Mark. Even though they say that most of the information he got, a lot of the information he got was from Peter, uh, which uh, gave authenticity to the, the book of uh, Mark. So we have a, a great introduction there, and I, I'll tell you some more about Mark at the, at the in, in um, in next week because I don't want to unfold everything uh, just today. Let's go into chapter uh, 10 of Mark and just to see a little, bit, a little bit about it. Mark speaks of Christ the servant. That's what he speaks of, Christ as servant. And in verse 45 of Mark chapter 10, It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. 
and to give his life a ransom for many. And I, I take encouragement out of that because Jesus Christ was the greatest servant of all. And so it encourages us that we should be servants also because he's the example. So we're going to be talking about Christ's servanthood. So let's go to chapter 1. In chapter 1 of Mark, we have the preparation for the servant. So we see the beginning. It said, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. Now, I like to, each time we teach on Mark, and each time we grab something out of that, want to make application to our everyday lives. We see that John the Baptist was a forerunner. John the Baptist was going before the Lord, and he had the ministry of uh, baptism for repentance and for forgiveness of sins. But I say that we also can be a type of forerunner, a type of, uh, not before he, he comes, of course, but I'm saying that a forerunner in that we can be going before Christ to the people who are not yet saved. That's what we should be doing as a forerunner. We're going ahead of Christ. Christ sent his disciples out by twos ahead of him everywhere he went. He said, I'm going to go to these places. I want to send you. Go to every place that I'm going to come. And then I want you to preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teach that and heal the sick. And then he will come behind them. Well, how about your workplaces? How many unsaved people, not yet saved people there? How many unchurched people are there? In the marketplace, the people you do business with. How many people are really haven't met Christ yet as their personal Savior? Could you be the person that God is calling to be a forerunner, to go before him, to prepare the way for that person to receive Jesus Christ on the day of his visitation? Could you be that person? That's the question I ask myself. Could I be that person? Let's go, uh, let's hold your place there uh, and go to 1 Peter. In, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, probably around verse 11. It says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, God is going to visit some of those people who are in your workplaces. You don't know when he's going to visit them. He's going to visit them because no one can come 
to Christ unless they are drawn of the Father. That's what the Gospel of John says. No one. So God has to draw that person. But God may be using you to water. He may be using you to sow the seeds. He may be using you just to get the increase where you didn't sow, you didn't water, but you reap. How's he using you in, in the people that you come in contact with? Are you, as it says here in verse 12, are you keeping your behavior excellent in your workplace? Are you working to the utmost of what God has given you the ability to do? Are you, um, everything you do, you're doing to the glory of God? Are you doing that? Are the things you're saying in your workplaces, in your homes, are the things you're saying bringing glory to God, to your children, to your mate, to your relatives? Especially on this great uh, weekend where we're uh, remembering those who lost their lives in the wars, are you going to take advantage of those opportunities of cookouts and things like that to glorify God because on the day of visitation, they'll glorify him. They will glorify him because they remember your good behavior. They remember the things that you did, the things that you said, the things that you did not say, all those type of things. I say that we can be a forerunner. Let's go back to Mark chapter 1. And always hold your place there because we're going to be in Mark chapter 1 the whole entire time, even though we'll venture out from there. Verse 4. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching the baptism of repentance for, he, for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. Let me stop here. I learned something the other day, Friday, as a matter of fact. I was, I was meeting with, with a friend, and uh, do y'all ever hear noise? Do y'all have trees in your yard? Do y'all hear noises in the trees? And um, I didn't know what they were. I, I was wondering, I said, well, what kind of birds are, are they? I remember seeing a, a movie when I was young called The Birds and stuff. And I said, I said, man, you know, I don't wonder, you know, this is kind of bad. And then he told me that, uh, he said, you hear that sound? I said, yeah. He said, that's a, uh, I think it's a 17-year locust. 17-year locust. What's that? He said, every 17 years they come out. And they come out and they mate, and then they doubt. And then they, they hatch out in 17 years. I said, ooh, that's interesting. And I said, are these those little brown things I see against my wall? The things on the outside? Um, but they look like shells. I, I, if there's that many, I mean, they keep noise. I mean, if you don't have trees, you don't, you don't hear them probably. You don't hear them probably. But if you have trees, you hear them things. But I was thinking John the Baptist, he's, eating, eating, he's, he's going around, and he says that he was eating locusts. I wonder, are those things edible? What do y'all think? Y'all think they're edible? They're locusts. They're shells. I mean, you can make a, a, good, a, a good meal out of those shells, probably. 
But I was just thinking now, because I know y'all want to be scriptural, don't you? I know y'all want to be scriptural, so, so it's just an opportunity. Uh, we're just going to apply things. As we see things, we're just going to apply it, you know, because uh, I know you got some honey at home. Just put a honey on those brown things, man, and uh, you're going to be okay. You don't have to go to, you won't have to go to uh, La Coretta. You just, <laughs> all you have to do is just eat the locals, man. It's cool. Verse 7, and he was preaching and saying, after me, one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down to untie the throng of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, his baptism, verse 9, it doesn't talk about a lot about his baptism. As a matter of fact, uh, it, it, you'll notice about Mark. Mark, Mark's gospel is a gospel of action. I mean, it's a gospel of action. You, you'll find words like immediately, uh, and he, he'll just, I mean, like, it's, I guess it's about 40 times he used, like, the word immediately, or, or words like that. And it's interesting. But you, you'll see it in a, in a minute. Verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. So we're talking about now the baptism of Jesus. The servant. Jesus Christ, the servant. And was baptized by John in, in the Jordan. And we know from uh, John's uh, gospel, or Ma- Matthew's gospel, that, that um, uh, John said, I, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus told him, well, well you know, let, let's, uh, let's do this for right now because we have to fulfill our righteousness. So anyway, John baptized him. And it says in verse 10, immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. It's very important to know that the voice came from the heavens. It wasn't, well, not the son of God saying something and making his voice sound like it's coming from heaven. Is some some uh, some of your teenagers when you go off to, off to college, some people might try to get you into some type all these all these these um, type of religions that that is not biblical. They say, well, it's not. There's no Trinity. It's not a Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's just Jesus. And and uh, and you go to this verse. Well, who was saying this? Because he was saying it to Jesus. Well, this was Jesus saying it to himself. Oh. Well, see, you know, you, if you know the word of God, you can get rid of all these things that people say to you uh, in the dorms. But that's just something that I think is very important. And parents, you need to make sure your children know the gospel and know the word of God so they won't be deceived by professors or whoever else um, by telling them different things. His temptation. His temptation. And I would say they test of the servant, the test of the servant. We're going to talk about one here, and then we'll go on another one to talk about it. Let's look at verse 12. Immediately, see, that's that word again, immediately. And if you look at another gospel like Matthew, when they'll say uh, the Spirit led him. Well, see, Mark is a, a, a gospel of action. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't say that led nothing. He said immediately the Spirit impelled him. See, it's a different word, see. Mark is, Mark is, he, he's, he's, man, he, he's action-filled. Compelled him to go out into the wilderness. 
And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels were ministering to him. That's all it says about his temptation there. Of course, they have it in other places. You can fill it in. We're not going to fill it in. We're just going to go from there and talk a little bit. Do you believe that you are called by God to have a ministry and that before he releases you into a lot of what he has for you, you're going to be test, tested. You're going to be um, tempted, whatever the situation may be. You are going, you're going to go through a test. Do you believe that? Okay, the teenagers don't. Okay, but everybody else do. Okay? You're going to go through a test. Why did the Spirit lead him all, as Mark says, impelled him? Why did he do that? Why did he drive? That word means to drive with force. Why did he do that in the beginning? He hasn't, he, no, nothing he's done yet. No miracles, no nothing. He just knows he's, he, the Spirit of God came, came upon him like a, like a dove. We know that uh, he hasn't done anything in his ministry yet. Why did he do that? Why is he going to do it with us? Yeah. See? It's important for us to know that. And if you think you're not going to be uh, going through a test, you're not going to be ready for it. Most people who are in, in school, there's a lot of adults in school as well as a lot of uh, teenagers and things like that, they're in school. You know that if you know that a test is coming, you can prepare for it. You know that. If you don't think you're going to ever get a test, you don't prepare for it like you should. And then it catches you off guard. Well, we have to know that we're going to be tested. And not just one time. We're going to be tested at every stage because the test comes before you move into another phase. The tests become uh, uh, greater as you go higher. Yes. The more responsibility, the bigger the test. And we have, to, we have to say, God, I need to be ready for this thing. I need to be ready. Do you remember in, uh, later on in, in, in the scripture where Jesus was about to uh, go and be tried and all those type of things and they were going to crucify him? Do you remember he went to the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you remember... What he did? He prayed, right? Do you remember what he told his disciples? Yeah. And wait here, and I want you to pray with me. Just pray. That you enter not into temptation. We got to pray. You got to pray. We got to be people who are praying, asking God, God, you know, give me wisdom. You remember Colossians chapter 1? Remember that? 19 and 11. Give me that, give me, give me, uh, fill me with the knowledge of, I want to be full of the knowledge of your will, Lord. I want to, uh, uh, so that I have that through spiritual wisdom and understanding. I need that, Lord. You, you remember that? We need to be asking and praying those things so that we'll be ready so that when the test comes, we'll pass it. And the test can come with just our mouths. 
you know, he, he had me go through James. And we, took, we went verse by verse. We, I mean, we exegetically did that thing, man. We, we were in James for a long time, maybe six months or so. We are in James. And one, one chapter in James dealing with our tongue, what we say. And it said the tongue is set on fire by hell, H-E-L-L. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a little member, just like the rudder of a ship. Right? A little member. But it can turn, I mean, the big cruise ships, a little rudder can turn that thing. It's interesting. He said that no one can tame the tongue. I mean, we can tame just about everything, but we can't tame the tongue. Oh, but the Spirit of God can. So we have to, we have to know that we are going through these things, so we have to be watchful because the enemy really will try to get you to do things that's going to hinder the ministry that God has given us. The enemy, Satan, is going to try to get you to say things that you shouldn't say that's going to hinder the ministry that he gave you. Yeah, he will. Let's um, turn over to 2nd. Let's hold a place right there. Let's turn to 2nd Corinthians. Let's go there. Um, and, and, and in 2nd Corinthians, we want to go probably about uh, 5, 17, somewhere like that. And let's look and see what, because I don't think you all are thinking the way I'm thinking about this thing. Well, you know, you, I know you're holding your place in Mark, okay? Because we're going back to Mark. In 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, gave us, who gave us? God gave us through Christ. He gave us the ministry, the ministry. That, that means service. That, that means we are serving the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us, I don't think you saw it, the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal now through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the, that's the message that we're supposed to be taking. We are Christ's ambassadors, just like he was talking about the disciples. We are Christ's ambassadors. We're supposed to be taking the word of reconciliation to our workplaces, to the marketplaces, to our relatives in the four walls. We're supposed to be taking that message of reconciliation there, that you don't have to pay for your sins. Jesus Christ has died for the sins of the world, and therefore you don't have to pay that sin, that price of that sin. You have to give your life to him. If you give your life to Christ, then you will be in Christ and Christ will be in you. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. He'll move you from where you are more to where he wants you to be. Because when he comes back, he's coming back for a church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. That's the ministry we're supposed to have. We're back in Mark. Back in Mark. 
He's given us all that ministry. To the, to the extent, I don't know. I don't know what extent he's going to give you that, that ministry, but it doesn't matter. If one soul gets saved in your ministry, oh, wouldn't it be great? Just one soul. One soul. Let's go a little bit further. We're talking about uh, ministries. Let's go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. We're talking about tests now. Tests. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 24. Now it says in verse 24, For John had not yet been thrown in prison. So if John hasn't been thrown in prison, then in verse 14, hold your place right there now in, in, in John. We're still in, in, in Mark. In verse 14 it says, Now after John had been taken into custody, oh, so verse, between verse 13 and verse 14, things happened. And over here in John, in verse 24, you remember said, for John had not yet been thrown in prison. So this happened in between verse 13 and 14 of Mark. So that's why I'm going over here to John. Let's go to verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Let's go there. And let's see another test. Said so therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again to Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Now, you remember Samaria? Samaria has these uh, uh, people that the Jews don't like. Okay? Now, Jesus was a Jew. Okay? So, he's not supposed to like Samaritans. Samaritans, they, 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 they're, not, they're not too cool in the Jews' mind. Do we have some people that's not too cool in, our, in, in, in society's mind? You know, say if you are a, this particular culture of people, you don't like this culture of people. Uh, I know it's all uh, a picture about the Hatfields and the McCoys. Well, the Hatfields didn't like the McCoys, the McCoys didn't like the Hatfields. But you have, you have, a sets of people who don't like um, castles, don't like this and process. I mean, you can have all this stuff going on. All this stuff going on. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I was talking to one person the other night, and I say, hey, do you realize that all of us are related? We are all brothers and sisters. We are all in the same family. We are all from one. Well, well, yeah, well. And I said, well, maybe we're cousins. I mean, we'll, we'll, well, maybe it's, maybe we're one million cousins. You know, not first cousins, maybe one million cousins. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think? If, if, if Adam and Eve had everybody that's in existence, came through them, right? It had to come through them. Didn't come through the trees, right? It had to come through Adam and Eve. Didn't come through the animals, it had to come through Adam and Eve. If they had them, then 
Everybody's from Adam and Eve. So that means all of us are related, related right? Okay, let, let's, let's even go a little further than that. Let's say that, that go to the flood because it destroyed everything, the, the, the flood. How many people? Eight, right? Noah and his wife didn't have any more children, right? So that means that from these six people, Noah's sons and their wives, everybody else came, right? That means we are from them, right? Come on. That means I don't care whether your eyes are slanted, whether you got kinky hair, whether you got straight hair, whether you, you know, tall. I don't care what kind of, what, what you are, we are related. Are we not? I don't, care, I don't care if you're from Africa. I don't care if you're from Jamaica. I don't care if you're from, you know, uh, Australia. I don't care if you're even from Mexico. I don't care where you're from. You are related. Uh, am I not right? It's a test sometimes whether you're going to really walk out the talk. Right? Because, see, the society makes so many differences, don't it? Doesn't it? Come on. They make so many differences that you don't want to be around some people. When I, when I used to teach a class, I'd be walking down the hall, and uh, I'd say, hello. And it's like nobody's in the hall but me. <laughs> and this person coming front of, and they passed it, they didn't even speak, I said, hey, I said, hello. They said, oh, hi, coach. Now, I, I must be invisible. I, I was pretty, I was larger then than I am now, but uh, not much, but, but uh, I surely didn't get any darker. So, <laughs> so I was the same shade I was then. So how could I be invisible? I'm serious. I was in, I was in the, uh, uh, it was a person, a neighbor, I'll put it that way, a neighbor, so you won't know who it is. It was a neighbor. They had, they had, um, they were having a prom. I was out there talking to the father and a little, little, little child. And one of the, the teen girls came up and with her friends. And um, here's the father standing here. I'm standing here. And the little girl standing here, that's the sister of the big girl. And the big girl said, hey, uh, this is my father right here. And this is my little sister. And then they turned and left home. I said, I'm invisible again. Boy, you know. That's interesting. Come on. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you got you. You, got to te- you have to teach your, teach your children that, hey, you, you, you need to be friendly to people. You don't have to be uh, overly friendly. Just, just speak, right? Just speak. I, 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 I was supposed to teach in GCI, and I did teach in GCI. Um, and the Lord led me to bring this, this exhortation to the rest of the pastors. I said, you know, I'm the only only African-American pastor in this organization, the only one. And it will be nice if when I bring people to GCI, you all will speak to them. It will be nice. I said, because uh, what you all act like you get is a country club. You know, you act like when, you, when we go out to lunch, 
you get together with your, little, your friends and y'all get together with your little friends, everybody from the same church, and y'all just have a hallelujah, and it's about two or three of us, and y'all don't talk to us. I said, that's not encouraging. Not encouraging at all. You act like we don't exist. I said, I can be walking down the aisle, and the church says, hello, and y'all won't even speak. I said, now, how are you going to say we have relationships? And one of the younger people said, well, look, well, well man, we can't, we can't know everybody. I said, I said, young fellow, I'm not asking you to know me. I'm asking you to speak to me. That's all I'm asking you to do. It, it, if we're in the same proximity to each other, I mean, if we cross the, the building, I'm not going to speak to you. You don't have to speak to me. We don't know each other. But if we come right down and we got to move a little bit to pass each other, at least you can say, Hi. You know, act like you like me. And I'll act like I like you, you know. We can, we, can, we can do that stuff, see. But that happens in church, you know that? Happens in church. You pass people, ask me, hey, you know, you know uh, Susan Q? No. When, when did she come to Cornerstone? Oh, about last year. <laughs> you know, we have greeting time. Why don't, you greet, why don't you greet somebody you don't know? When you go out to lunch, why don't you ask somebody to go that you don't know? That's, that's what I told them in Jesus. Why don't you ask somebody to go? Because I, I take some people sometimes. Yeah. I take some people sometimes. I took your mama and your daddy. Uh, I'm talking to uh, Emily. And uh, so I introduced them to people. So I want them to, to ask them. I want to talk to the people, you know. See, but they're okay because they, they're lighter complexion, you know. They're okay, you see, with them. But, but, but I'm trying to help you now. I'm trying to help you. Uh, do you know Carissa... She, you know, Carissa, the little teenage girl, uh, she's a college student. Um, Carissa, her mother's Japanese, and her father's Caucasian. And she said, you know, people, uh, I used to not want to be of this complexion because uh, she's a little darker than probably her father. She has a mother's complexion. And kids at school used to pick at me and call me a Jap. I mean, this is crazy. But people do that. It shouldn't be that way in the church of the living God. So when you have here the Samaritan woman, Jesus is going to use his gifts here to win souls. But now, if it were his disciples, they wouldn't have won not one person. Because they got upset. They said, why are you talking to this woman? She's a woman, number one, and plus she's a, she's a Samaritan. Right? Wow. So read it sometime. That's chapter four. Read it. I mean, this is, this is, this is I mean, this, this is awesome. Let's go back to Mark. We won't, we won't, we won't read it here. We're going to be tested. We're going to be tested. I hope that's not a test to get in heaven because if it were... <laughs> that would be tough, wouldn't it, huh? Be tough. Be tough. Most Christians wouldn't get in because if, if you're not the same denomination, they don't like you. Right? Yeah. Come on. And I'm speaking to to full gospel, charismatic, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, uh, Episcopal. It doesn't matter what you are. A lot of times we, we just want to be with us no more. And you can't do that. 
The Baptists have a lot on, on the ball. The Lutherans have a lot on the ball. You just got to, we're talking about God's people. They are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Not only just in humanity, but in the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> pass your test, people. Pass your test. No greater place to pass your test than in the church. No greater place. And we have, we have a church that you can. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that um, we, we have one person um, that, you know, Dave Lee. You know, Dave Lee. Uh, you know, get to know Dave. He's a very friendly person. Get to know Dave. Because yeah? uh, he, he's, uh, um, he, he's a little different. You know, but he's, he's, he's a great man of God. Get to know him. Get to know uh, all, all the men and women in this church and, and the children. Okay? Let's go over to the ministry. Let's just hit, just start on that. We won't be able to finish that. Let's just start on that, on the ministry of Jesus. If we, if we go now to, we're in uh, verse 14. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of God. He came to Galilee preaching the gospel of God. We have to be about the gospel of God in our workplaces, in our marketplaces. And you, you might can't preach it with your mouth, but you can sure be a living epistle that smile. You know, your, your, your tongue is saying uh, uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and edifying people and, and thinking the best of everybody. You know, your tongue is just, that, that, your tongue can be the biggest uh, presentation of the gospel without saying anything about God. It can be. You know, you know you're different if you say that. We'll stop here. We'll pick it up here next week because we're going to be in the, in the ministry. We're going to be in this first chapter. Uh, we're going to be in the ministry, and then we're going to go into the, the authority, the authority of the servant. And that's in verse 21. And, oh, oh, when he's, oh, my goodness gracious. Because you want authority when you're going out, don't you? You want authority. Mark is a marvelous gospel. You can tell your friends and everything. I have some uh, uh, cards hopefully next week to pass out uh, to, to your friends or to coworkers or whatever because we're going through the gospel of Mark, and it's about you. It's about me. The gospel, we can take this and we can say, oh, I'm not going to just read and we're going to just think, oh, this is what happened uh, back then. No, we're talking about how does it apply to us? How can we walk this out today? When we leave here. Oh, thank you. Praise the Lord. Let's um, stand to our feet. And we'll close with prayer. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, then, of course, you are not going to be able to take the gospel. You're not going to be able to take it in your workplace. You need to take it to your workplace. You need to be saved. If there's anyone here that hasn't given their life to Jesus Christ yet, Today is the day. If there's anyone here that uh, you need to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day. May I have a prayer team come with the altar team? Come on. Today is the day of salvation. We have an altar team to pray because we 
want to be available to you. So they pray before services, they pray during the week, and they come prepared to present you to God, your needs to God, and pray with you to encourage you because people are going through things and, and they, they'll be willing to pray for you. They'll be willing to pray, lead you into salvation prayer. Uh, just come up in, after the service and, and, and they, will, they will do that. Don't forget to read Mark. One chapter a week. That's all. One chapter a week. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.